and welcome once again. It's time for another episode of Less Than Jays, and uh, boy, less than Jays, less than uh, I don't know. I was gonna say less than thrilling because um, a, a disappointing series would be over the weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers, but now. Uh, all things looking rosy, uh, leading, famous last words there, leading uh, through six against the Red Sox and having one big on Monday against the Red Sox. The roller coaster continues. We just have made some minor moves. We've had some new concerns prop up, maybe some old concerns look a little bit bigger. Alejandro Kirk continues to look like the best catcher in baseball. There is a lot to get to, as always, in Blue Jay land as we close out June. Jake, I remember being on the show and and having to tell you to get into june mindset mode are you ready now to get into july mindset mode i am um first Home of stretch all time. first off i'd like to start by wishing you a happy four-year anniversary uh for the santiago espinal trade <laughs> wow uh, big day big day for us all wow um and yeah, I think it's very good. I will say this for well, maybe not for the sake of the show, but for the sake of uh, you and I on the show, uh, it is very good that they won big on Monday and are currently leading. Because uh, again, a little behind the curtain, sometimes we record on Mondays, sometimes we record on Tuesdays. Um, had we recorded this on Monday, I was ready to come in as Debbie Downer and just question the whole thing and then they beat the red Sox, and now i'm like that's oh, probably fine um yeah lots of interesting things uh going on not the least of which jake i don't know if you've seen the um the slow buzz the slow build on online and jay twitter of the of the number of hitters that Kevin biggio has a higher ops than on the team right now well one of those hitters was part of my reason that I was going to come in all doomsaying. Um, but then today and yesterday have improved that. Uh, There's no reason to be cryptic about it. Uh, I think it's very funny, personally, that the leading shortstop vote-getter for the All-Star game has a lower OPS than Kevin Biggio. Uh, Kevin Biggio that, is... That being Bo Bichette, of course. 736 OPS is 10 points higher than Bo Bichette, 20 points higher than Matt Chapman, uh, 9 points higher than Teoscar Hernandez, uh, hilariously, uh, 24 points higher than Santiago Espinal. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and um, you know, he's by OPS, which is obviously, of course, not uh, not a be-all, end-all statistic. Obviously, his, his ability to draw walks uh, inflates that, but by that he is for regular hitters on the team. He's behind only Kirk Guerrero, Springer, and Guriel. It's it's Kirk Guerrero, Springer, Guriel, Biggio in terms of your. We're very tricky of course because he isn't a regular player, and you could you could throw Jansen in there, you could throw Zach Collins in there if you wanted to, uh, guys who were ahead of him. But just interesting how quickly, or maybe not how quickly, how slowly um, these changes go over the course of a season, and how we see. Um, these tides rise and fall over the course of what is now, what, two, three full months of, of baseball action? I have uh, well, I had many thoughts on Kevin Biggio. You're uh, in the right place. One is, as I said in a group chat yesterday, uh, I'm not sure I've seen a player in quite some time that I simultaneously love to watch at the plate and just despise 
watching at the plate. Like the walks, the walk rate is unbelievable. His patience is genuinely fun to watch. Uh, and then sometimes it's just like he looks like a toddler up there. And it's just like what, what's going? On? But then you look at the numbers, and it's like, I guess this is a long way of saying personally, I refuse to once again be sucked in by Kevin Biggio. I I've yeah. done it, I seemingly every year, and I've allowed myself to believe, and I've been burned every time. Um, um yeah. So I'm not. Look, I'm all for him being successful and being a useful piece on the team. I think he is a useful piece on the team, hitting aside just for the fact that he plays everywhere and can do it reasonably competently. Uh, you know, I'm not... Uh, I'm not abandoning my Kevin Biggio as an outfielder take, but I'm also fine with Kevin Biggio sort of being mediocre at lots of things rather than good at one thing. Uh, and I mean that genuinely, not as a, as a dig. I think that's a useful thing to have on a on a contending team, um, but yeah, I just I can't I can't let myself believe again yet fully. There's a lot of things, right? The the the, the, the OPS comes with a little bit of um, not hitting for a ton of power. Obviously, picking up a little bit of it in the in the last little bit with some with some hard hit balls. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting skill set. We, you know, we talked a lot in the early part of the season. People sort of asking us about Kevin Biggio, somebody that I think has a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to say comfort. He has a lot of um, value in terms of familiarity with with some of the fans of this team, especially the hardcore fans who have been around through the lean years when he was um, one of very few highlights in 2019 and somebody that you could sort of dream on as a super utility player, a Ben Zobrist guy, a guy that um, offered a different look. But with, you know, with some of that patience comes um, looking at pitches that go right down the middle or, um, you know, sometimes that, that patience is at the detriment of quality contact. I did say early in the year, I remember this, when the Red Sox were scuffling, Jake, famously, I said to you, are you prepared for the day when the Red Sox passed the Blue Jays in the standings? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I think that day is coming gone. The Blue Jays are currently holding on. But as we record this, the Jays, uh, half a game back. Somehow the Red Sox, 42-32, and 32, second place in the American League. Uh, it's enough to make you sick. I don't think I realized that was the case. I hate that. <laughs> That's awful. Oh, I hate this division so much. I just pull up the standings. Brutal. Unbelievable. And yet, we'll all, they'll all make the playoffs regardless, so who cares? 12 God, and I hope so. back of the Yankees. Jesus Christ. It's been, it's been quite a first half of the year. It Nine really has. Nine games above 500. And would literally be half a game out of first place in the Central. Shit is garbage. Um, anyway. No way to live. No yeah. way to live. Um, yeah, I think, you know, with Kevin, there's sort of that, when he was struggling at the very beginning of the year, there's um, the point going around I saw a couple times on Blue Jays Twitter that, like, if his last name wasn't Biggio, he would have been cut a long time ago. And I don't agree with that, but I also don't think it's wrong. I don't agree with that at all. I don't, I don't agree with that in terms of the team, but I do agree with it in terms of sort of what you were saying about sort of uh, fandom and opinion of him. I don't think, I, think he would be, I don't think he would be cut. I think that's a little that's a little guys with options don't really get cut. Sorry, or sent down or whatever. Sure. But uh I I don't think it's true when it comes to how the team is 
approaching him. But I do think it is true in terms of uh, how the fans see him. And I don't think, he, and this is no fault of his, but like I don't think it helped that he is the kid of a major leaguer who came up around the time of two other kids with major leaguers who happen to be first place in all-star voting right now. Sure. And, um, sure. And I think that he had some... Like, obviously no one thought he was going to be Vlad or Bo, but I do think he got some unfair expectation heaped on him. And, you know, I also don't think there's anything wrong with being a guy who hits 750 OPS and plays everywhere. So I guess what I would say is, like, I don't think the it, his, if his last name wasn't Biggio thing really maybe it gets him the invite but i don't think it keeps you on a team like no 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 i i don't and again i don't want to say that it does from a baseball perspective like do you think do you think kyle drabeck got extra chances because he because his dad was was in the major leagues (laughs) no but he had a whole bunch of other expectations on him for different reasons that weren't his fault do you think anybody do you think like do you think bo bichette is valued because his dad is dante bichette i really don't think it has anything to do with it i think it's because he's an exciting player who plays aggressively and has cool hair like maybe (laughs) maybe you're right that 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 vigio tags along with that in terms of expectation but i don't think he's holding on to a job because his dad made the hall of fame i i just think like i think it's an easy thing to grasp to i don't think it has a ton um of merit behind it personally that's a lot of talk about kevin vigio um and obviously, we could we could expound on Alejandro Kirk if we wanted to. Once again, Jake, hate to say this to people, but uh, way ahead on Alejandro Kirk. We, we have <laughs> you have me on Alejandro Kirk on this show pre two thousand twenty. He wasn't you, even in, he wasn't even in the major athlete, leagues yet. I believe you called him. So, like once again, we light years ahead of the conversation. Alejandro Kirk um, should be an all star, probably the best catcher in the American League. Is currently the best hitter on the entire team, maybe the best hitter in baseball over the last month. Um, incredible every single day, day in, day out. The only player uh, that my Portuguese father-in-law has asked me about in the last <laughs> seven years, and he asked me about him every single time I see him. Um, but that has not been the talking point of the last week. The talking point of the last week, Drake, I tell you, um, has been Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi. Barrios currently, through through uh, through 15 starts, a 5.86 ERA in 78 innings. Uh, that is worse than the team. That is worst among starters with 15 starts. Yusei Kikuchi, a 5.08 uh, through 14 starts. The decent May that he had, uh, keeping him afloat. I am obviously way wrong on my preseason prediction that, that Barrios would be getting Cy Young votes. That's obviously going to go to Alec Manoa who is a 2.05, or Kevin Gosman, who's a 2.93. But Barrios, boy, that's trouble, 5.86. When he is not on, he is not long for these games, and the Kikuchi thing has been um, far more bad than good over the course of this year. Luckily, they have Ross Stripling, but sort of where are you landing on your concern? Uh, we'll start with Barrios, I think, in in the in the guy that, you know, big money um, of fairly sizable at the time prospect hall even though uh austin martin has continued to sort of slide i think down projections and down big boards um how are you feeling about about barrios every fifth day at this point well if we want to go at it from a cost standpoint to start i still make that trade 10 times out of 10 certainly don't care at all about austin martin or uh reed foley don't care at all um if you want to ask me, do I think they should have spent a hundred and whatever million dollars on him? As of today, it's pretty hard to sit here and say that looks good at the moment. 
Um, I am also not, you know, I'm not. He he's he was so good in the back half of last year that I'm not ready to say like, oh, they got to cut bait. But when re- I think the struggles of the rest of the staff really exacerbates what's happening with Barrios. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if with Ryu out for the year, like, hey, Stripling's done a great job filling in. Uh, I'm like, he's been awesome. But I'm also not, as we talked about last week, uh, I'm not sitting here being like, uh, hey, let's put all my hopes in Ross Stripling. Yeah, tonight is sort uh, of what you're hoping for from Ross Stripling. Yeah. Two, and, two runs over five innings against a good team. And nothing wrong with that. And Trent Thornton just fucked up the game. What a surprise. Um, yeah, but like with Ryu out for the year, with Kikuchi struggling, Gosman has been great when he... Gosman seems to just be one or the other. Gosman's been amazing when he's been on and pretty bad when he hasn't been. Uh, and so really, like, Manoa's the only guy that every five days you're, like, confident. And Crazy. Which, I mean, like, it's great for Manoa. Uh, and we're big fans of the big fella here, obviously. But... With Barrios' struggles, they just get compounded and louder and exacerbated when the rest of the staff is struggling and going through it. Um, but, yeah, puts a that, bit of a dent in the Pete Walker uh, yeah. hero story as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, along with that, just straight up looking at the numbers, like, there's not a lot there to defend. Like I said, what's, what's the, what'd you say the ERA is? 5-6? Five, 5-8-6. Six? Five, six. Five, six. Like... Yes, you can't sit here and be like, "Ah, it's fine," because it's not. I did like the point that uh, was made on Twitter yesterday. I think by Spencer uh, that when yeah, when Brios has a bad start, Charlie's like, "We're doing everything to solve it," and when Kikuchi has a bad start, it's I'm not going to make excuses for him. His family have to come up with alternative ways to eat. But <laughs> uh, I think it it's is. A, it's yeah. such a good point. It is pretty telling. I mean, how. Um gentle I think Charlie generally is with these guys and, and the rope that he's given um, some of the mental mistakes some of the things that the young players have done wrong he seems to have very little patience for Kikuchi which, which to me and listen I, we're we're not in the clubhouse we're not talking to the pitching coach we're not deeply involved to me that suggests that Kikuchi is not making adjustments they want him to make sort of that's, that's sort of how I view that is yeah. like they are looking at you know it does seem it does seem unusually like hard it does seem unusually harsh, especially from Charlie. We have talked though; he's in a different mood this year. But to me, it, to me, that sort of suggests that like they want him to do one thing, and he's just not doing it. And um, they're going to let him eat it if he's not going to pitch the way they want him to pitch. Um, around on Barrios again, I continue to try to grasp at like if you look at. Every other year, he's been a regular major leaguer. 2017, 3.89. 2018, 3.84. 2019, 3.68. Abbreviated 2024. 2021, last year, combined through two teams, 3.52. So, like, the the average is, like, a 3.8 ERA guy. He's, he's two full runs above um, what we expect him to be. Now, is he going to be so good that he drops his ERA? two po- runs over the next 15 starts as right. he's about halfway through that remains to be seen but it, it does give me a glimmer that like i wouldn't be surprised if if some things fall into play here as he is currently 
leading the league in runs allowed, uh, which is not great, of course. Um, you know, it's not. It's certainly not what you want. 17 home runs um, is is close to how many he usually gives up in a full season. Like he only gave up he only gave up 22 all of last year. It's not great trends, but I'm trying to put my faith in the bigger picture with him and and the 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 track record, which you which is harder to do with Kikuchi because his track record is basically what we're seeing now, which is a guy that flashes it and then completely loses it. So um, it's certainly challenging to watch these Brio starts he's getting he's getting no soft contact when, when his command is there it is way gone uh it's been it's been a, a test to watch him to watch him right now and he is signed as you said uh through 2028 seven years 131 million dollars that is uh that's not going anywhere so between and also, that and the three years for Kikuchi that's a lot of money that is currently again not counting the money in the money isn't currently stopping them from doing anything but you start to worry about where they're spending their money and who they're spending their money on when it comes to the pitching yeah and also the trickle down effect uh is also i think of great concern like the bullpen has been bad lately yeah. and while you know i was having this argument with some people yesterday of uh, some friends yesterday about like did they do enough to staff the bullpen in the offseason. And I think it's a fair argument. I disagree with it. I thought it was fine going in. Um, and I, we talked about that. But I also think that, you know, when you have Barrios going two innings and then you have Kikuchi going f- three and then, you know, you get a bad Gosman start and he goes three and then Stripling can only go four or five. Like, no wonder half of them are hurt. Uh, or taxed like they're just they're throwing so many innings and I get that you kind of want the Rays method of like throw another guy on the pile and they signed Sergio Romo so I guess they are but like it's you know obvious I don't mean it's not as simple as uh, you know your best pitcher is not pitching well so it's bad but it is and it's also bad on more than just Barrios because as we just saw Trent Thornton give up a tying home run, it's also like, well, who else do you bring in? Everyone's throwing fucking like 20 innings a week. Yeah, he's the setup man, Trent Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his ERA, you, 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 Phelps, Meza, Romano, and then it's Thornton. His ERA is lower than Simber. His ERA is lower than, uh, you know, um, yeah, pick your uh, reliever. Richards, Merriweather, Beasley. Uh, well, exa- you, exactly. Let's just the names you just listed. They're not names that you're like sick. Like Jeremy Beasley is not. It's like oh, he has a higher, a lower ERA than Jeremy Beasley. Like he should. He's pitched yeah. in major leagues before, so he has. But he has about the same ERA as as Jimmy Garcia, and his ERA is not that much. It's only you know. Well, before this home run came up, as you said, uh, not that much higher now than Romano's. And you're looking at uh, Matt Gage who's coming in and looked pretty good. But, but you know, as we talked early in the year is that the the refinements that they did do the bullpen over the last two years saved them early. But I think you made a great point there is they've been asked to do an awful lot in May and June. They've been asked to do it. The, the fall off of Kikuchi, the fall off of of Barrios, you know, guys are starting to get injured, Garcia is injured, Richards is injured, um, it, 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 we're starting to see it trickle down, and it's going to have to be a place where they where they add, it's going to have to be 
Um, that's part where they add, because as you said, you know, we're, we're getting good Manoa every five days, but if Manoa's not good, then you're really, really starting to go, I don't know what the hell they're going to do here. So it's gotten, starting to get late early here for these, for these Blue Jays, this, that, down this part of the, this part of the season. Yeah. And like, obviously they're going to add to the bullpen and I don't think it's, and Sergio Romo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a guy who got cut from a 74-win team, I don't think. Yeah, but look at that beard. How can you, Certainly. Not, root, how can you not root for him? Lush. Um, but no, uh, they're obviously going to add actual pieces to the bullpen. And the bullpen still isn't as bad as it was last year. And they've stitched that up and fixed it together by the end of the deadline last year. So, like, I'm not concerned about the bullpen in September. But as you pointed out, the Red Sox are now ahead of us. And four teams in the American League East have more than 40 wins at the end of June. So they need to start being concerned with the bullpen right now. Like, it's not... It might be an easy path to be one of the six teams in the American League to make the playoffs because the Amer- most of the American League is bad. But, you know, there's still... Like, the Duck still going to play all those 40-win teams a whole bunch. And, you know, it's not... The Astros, who can just play the Mariners and the Angels and the Athletics over and over and over again and laugh their way to the bank. Yes. So. But I will say, I think we got to, we, you know, it's it, easy to do those things when they didn't just split with the Orioles and, you know, not take three against the Royals and then not win a series against the White Sox and then drop a series with the Brewers. It starts to get harder and harder to be like the Reds, the other teams aren't playing good teams when the Blue Jays aren't taking advantage of those same parts of their schedule. Yeah, that's true. And like, obviously playing the Red Sox tough here is great. And I'm not, and again, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like, I don't think they're doomed because of the pitching at this second. Uh, although if you had asked me on Sunday, it might have felt different. But <laughs> they're certain, they got like, they're not in good shape. Yeah. Like it's, and now, as you said off the top, you know, we're sitting here, it's June 28th. It's July on Friday. So we're getting pretty close to that. We're getting pretty close to the end of, well, it's still early. Yeah. And we're getting pretty close to what I have been sort of chirping on all year. And, like, we've seen lots of things happen early in baseball seasons. And who knows what can happen later. And it doesn't matter. We're almost at the end of that being the cop-out, I totally. guess. Totally. No, absolutely. But once you get to July uh, and you get you get, you get get nearer and nearer to, you know, 80 to 100 games, you start to know who you are. You know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And... And we know all too well the season is so big and so long that your weaknesses will come to the surface no matter what they are. And and we are seeing that, I think, come home to roost a little bit right now with this team. Yeah, and I think that, you know, credit to them that they haven't completely bottomed out from some of the pitching they've been getting. Um, like it show, And I guess, but again, it's like what we talked about when the hitting wasn't going. You know, that it's almost more frustrating watching totally. it as a fan. Because you're just, because like, they're getting this, you know, pond water pitching, and they've still have 41 wins. Like, it's <laughs> clearly they're extremely good. Yeah. But they've yet be, have everything work at once yet. They would be way worse many other years, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, which I think is also an easy way to, like, sort of feel a little better about maybe chances against the Yankees in the sense that, like, they clearly have everything going as all much the time. as can be done all the time. 
Yeah. And, you know, if you want to make the argument that that can't last for 162 games, I'm not going to make it right now because they keep proving me wrong, but I think it's fair. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think we are starting to get into they are who they thought they were territory with the Jays. I think. For sure. And they are, they literally have a month to fix it because that's when the deadline is. And yeah, we've talked a lot about about the the holes seem very pretty obvious. The flaws seem pretty obvious. Um, we've seen, as you said, each part of the team I think has had their chance, has had their time of being really hot and really cold. We still haven't had like the great Vladdy month, but um, you know they're surviving. Vladdy sort of being good, not especially great. Bo, as you said, has not been an All Star level player, despite what the what the stats may say. Um, They've had interesting runs over the course of the last little bit where, you know, Espinal was sort of a guy who saved their bacon and the bullpen saved their bacon. And now um, Kirk is really carrying them. Um, it would be nice to see them do the thing where they grab a hold of what they need and fill those slots and, and really make a run. I really do um, think we're we're at that time. It's time to start gauge in the market and and it's great to it's great to skim it's great to you know um get some freebies like sergio romo but it's time to start putting some money on the table and 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 making some plays yeah and i'm i'm starting to i don't know my my sort of hopes and attitudes towards the deadline have changed a few times uh Mm -hmm. this season uh and you know we've gone from don't really just need some pitching uh, fixer uppers is fine and you know bring the just bring another left field out left handed outfield bat and we've gone through the bring me the big boy who hits balls obviously Luis Castillo and Joey Votto but I'm starting to think that they need to do something big yeah I, a shake up something 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 I, surprising yeah I kind of you know like last year they went and got Barrios which was which is I I would qualify as a big deadline move for sure and it paid dividends last year he was great um I sort of went into this year thinking they just needed to sort of patch up holes I think at the deadline yes I mean, but, they already did the match happen trade if they, if they traded for Chapman at the deadline it would be a different thing right right yes but now I'm starting to think they kind of need to do it that again like the the teams around them are all very good, and it's not that the Jays are not also very good, but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of starting to feel that like Benintendi isn't it right now. Not that he or or it's Benintendi and another bigger player. Gotcha. No, I th- I listen. You know me. I'm all aboard for the as big as you can possibly get it. I'm I'm thrilled to be thrilled with that. I just I don't know. We've baseball windows are small. Absolutely true. Even though the core is young, like, it, who knows, right? That's right. It's, ha- it's so hard to win in baseball. Take your strike while the iron is hot, so to speak. For sure. I mean, I look at even Manoa. It's like he's been great. He's been unbelievable. Is he going to be a, a, a two ERA guy for the entirety of his fight? <laughs> right. right? It's, he's happening right now. You sort of have to jump on it. Um, anything else from the week? You had the you had a banger tweet from our account, Jake. The fucking Cameron yeah. Martinez tweet. 1,200. I'm ready to admit you're better at Twitter than me, for sure. It's diff. No, see, you're better at like actually being funny on Twitter. Uh, I'm good comic. at. I'm good at looking to. <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> I'm the co- I'm the comics comic. Open mic comic. Yeah. Uh, I'm good at looking at what is happening on TV and just saying that. 
and that's it's it. pretty funny. Gabriel so Martinez getting tossed is pretty funny. That was pretty great. I was mad they made him apologize. Yeah, well, you know, you have to trot that crap out. I know. Um, but, you know, the umps are the cops and the league is the police union. <laughs> police are not workers. Um, <laughs> anything else? You've had you've had some major um, slumps from Bichette. You've had Teoscar sort of can't seem to get himself. He has had some really hot moments, but you still look at the bigger picture. You're like, well, he's... A, his OPS is again below BGO. He's he got like seven home runs. Um, you know, even Guriel, uh, who's been, uh, pardon my if I'm wrong with this, been healthy the whole way, right? I think he was hurt for like a, a week or two. But like, Lourdes Guriel Jr. has four home runs, Jake. Four. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> That's craziness. He has less home runs than Santiago Espinal. What I will say, and then he's I'm the same amount of home runs as Zach Collins. He has one more home run than Rymel Tapia. He has less home runs than Danny Jansen, who's played 19 games. Uh, Lourdes has played. Oh yeah, nope, 66. 66. Games. Played more than 15 more than Teoscar. Um, what I will say that I was going to say, had we recorded on the weekend, is I'm not worried but I'm not confident anymore. Right. And listen, I know we, we know Lourdes is going to have, he's going to hit like 14 home runs in September or something. Right. That's the way it works. Of course. And you go, oh, 20 home run year. Pretty good. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm, he's a, if you want, if you want to make a big move, he's the guy that you could put in, in a big move. That's all I'm saying. Just crush my wife. Just crush my wife. She loves Lourdes. Um, People, I, love, I understand why. It's just it's, it really it would be it would be sort of I don't know. Funny is the right word, but uh, getting my wife into sports teams that are having good years got her into the Raptors in 2019 because she loved Valanciunas. Then he got traded. Mm. It'd be pretty funny if I got her into the Jays this year and then Lourdes got and she loves Lourdes and he got traded. We need this we, for the for the the team needs this. Sorry, Cassie. <laughs> um, well, how is she going to pry Otani away? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I just, there are a lot of holes in this team and more than I think we expected. And they are becoming more and more apparent as the season goes on, as these things do. But uh, the, I, I just think it's it's a much more flawed team than I expected, I guess. And I don't know if it's at, I don't know if it's as flawed as it, appears or if it's just like the Yankees are 12 and a half games ahead so it feels more flawed mm-hmm. like they they do have 41 wins on June 28th right like for sure any other year you're like this is amazing yeah for sure we'll see how it plays out uh we'll see how it plays out and we will uh dig back into baseball in a minute here. Sorry, one, yeah. one, one, just to answer my own point oh no I guess never mind I I've made my own point wrong <laughs> games were different they had 41 wins on this day last year too but they had Eight more losses. Huh. Oh, right, because the week, season started a week later this year. Yeah. That's right, Jake. So it's good. They're eight, they're eight up on the, on the loss column. That's a huge difference when you're only 12 games above 500. Well, here we are. Well, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move forward. we got other stuff to talk about. Uh, eventful week and uh, the mailbag coming up.
Jake, 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 Jake. Uh, how was the week? How are things? How are you feeling? Pretty good, actually. It's a pretty, uh, pretty decent week. Um, we ate, we uh, ate a bunch of wings on the weekend because of Tooth Wife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, had a nice had a nice patio day on Saturday. Uh, I don't think we did anything Friday. I don't remember. But no, it was a good week. Um, auditions have picked up a little bit, which is making me feel uh, a little better, a little more uh, balanced, a lot easier to swallow um, the day job when of course. other stuff is happening as well. Uh, or at least, if not happening, at least potential to happen. Um, feeling a little less uh, professionally drained, uh, at least today, so I'll take that. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, feeling, uh, I'm feeling all right. How are you? Very cool. I'm glad to hear that. And I just wanted to say, Jake, um, how much I admire that you are – it would be very easy to um, sort of not seek that back out, to, to sort of to sort of uh, sink there. And I know obviously you've had your spells, but that has happened. But um, I was sort of having similar conversations about something with a friend at work the other day and just sort of um, – thinking back and I'll get into it here in a minute but just sort of I think it takes real courage to, to get back out there and to get back on that and put yourself back out there I think it takes real courage and I, and I admire you for doing it this one to that before I mean at this further. point <laughs> I don't it's it's either that or go lie in a ditch so what a, a version of you would have chosen ditch and you that's aren't. true that is very so. true um, of course also I'd be remiss to say that obviously the uh, world this week has been right fucking disaster of course i knew something uh, bad i knew something bad happened um, yes obviously that's a nightmare and fuck the supreme court and all that to the high heavens or high hells i suppose yeah fuck the supreme court let's not uh act like um all the different things that we are experiencing in this negative um sort of thing the the, the rise in police violence we talked about years ago that continues to this day um, the growing wealth inequality, the housing crisis, um, our climate disasters. Let's not pretend that all those things uh, aren't linked. Yeah, absolutely. Capitalism uh, and white supremacy. Absolutely male, correct. White male supremacy. Absolutely correct. Um, those things are all linked and it's all part of one big arm. And uh, we would be wrong to not continue to sort of um, not just acknowledge it, but fight back against it in any means we can do. Um, yeah. Interesting week for me. Um, my sister's 40th birthday was this weekend, uh, oh. which is crazy to think about because uh, mentally I am still 28 years old. Yes. Uh, which is, which is <laughs> wild. I had that today. I want to audition for a teacher. Wow. After growing up on in as a playing a high school student. Right. You, so you were thinking now, you're like, I should be auditioning for college student. I'm a little bit older. <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly correct. So um, I'm, with, and, I'm with you. And listen, not that my sister's 40th birthday, her being 40 isn't, doesn't sort of knock me or cause me to sort of uh, be contemplative, but we had a big family gathering um, at her house on her birthday. And my sister Amy and her husband uh, Phil, my oldest sister, they're home from Tokyo. And because of the, uh, they live overseas. They lived in Tokyo before that, they lived in Singapore, before that, they lived in. Uh, New Zealand. They've been living overseas since I was 18, um, and I'm 36 now, so it's crazy. It's half my life. Huh. Um, but, of course, the pandemic, they haven't been home since 2019 because they come home 
usually Christmas and summers, but they were in a transitory period in their jobs in late 2019. So it was like, we're going to come home summer 2020, be there for our wedding, uh, have a great big summer. So they haven't been home in three years. And when they were last home, their son, my nephew, was 10. And now he's 13. And he's just like, he's a completely different you're just completely different. 10 and 13, you're not the same. You're a completely different person. What he's into is completely different. How he looks and acts and how he is around our family is completely different. He's a, he's a young man. Um, and as well, my, my mother remarried. We have a beautiful, big, blended family of, of, of you know, it's, it's like 10 grandkids. And the oldest one, Katie, is 16. And I was 16 when my mom and her husband got together. And I was trying to explain this to the grandkids of like, I'm the young one. Like I'm young. You guys, don't, I'm turning 37 in four months. I'm young. You guys don't understand. And I was so it's really been sort of putting me in an interesting headspace about thinking about. Um, and George is sort of the, the catalyst for this because he's such an impressive young man now. Like he, he was this kid when I last saw him. Like we, were, we played children's board games when we last saw him and now he like wants to know about processors because he wants to build a computer and he's six feet tall and um it's just crazy to think about and i was thinking about i was trying to explain to the to the to the grandkids um the older the older four or five between ages 13 and 16 those that little group there um really cool kids really smart um you know they're coming into their own as as teenagers and you know entering high school and that sort of stuff but i was sort of explaining to them like the two and three year spans I was trying to explain because that, that's the time frame we had all seen each other. And I was like, you guys are in those two and three year spans where you are completely different at the end of every one of those spans. You know, 10 to 12, 10 to 13, 13 to 16, 16 to 19, 19 to 22, even 22 to 25, you're pretty different. But then all of a sudden you just aren't anymore, right? Like 36 to 33, nothing really different 33 to 30 nothing really 27 to 30 nothing really 27 to 36 nothing really a little bit more mature some things here and there but like those dramatic swings aren't the same anymore um so that really had me um just sort of thinking about it was crazy to 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 recognize that like i'm a 36 i'm I'm old and i have (laughs) i have these young adults in my life now that I'm that I that I am an uncle to I have my own son and it's been really uh interesting it really had me being um sort of contemplative and then um and listen this isn't so listen I'm trying to be eloquent here uh yesterday you probably saw this and if you're listening to this you probably saw this uh Nick Nemirov died um I heard yeah uh, uh a comedian I it's a complete disservice to call him a Canadian comedian. He is one of the funniest people on earth. Um, uh, from Montreal, came to Toronto to do stand-up, was in California, did Conan before he turned 30. Juno nominated an album last year for, for his comedy, um, been on Comedy Central, commercials in the United States, was about to move to L.A. Um, and again, um, you know, somebody else's tragedy is not my story. It's not about me, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, he was 32 and I'm four years older than him. And uh, I would have first met Nick eight or nine years ago, probably. I was hosting the back half of the Ossington open mic on Monday nights. (laughs) 
<laughs> and he come in. He had just come. He had just moved um, from Montreal to Toronto, and it was like would you just would you just couldn't believe that he was newish at it because he was so polished. He had this distinct personality. Like I could talk, and and, and people who are still doing comedy um, will able to be able to explain much better that he's just like an inc- a brilliant writer, completely unique. You would know if you had seen him because he's completely unlike anybody else that you had seen. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be like. I don't know if I've seen Nick Demirov. You 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 would know if you had seen him. Just one, one of those style guys. Um, and it's almost beside the point how successful and talented and incredibly focused he was on comedy. That is almost besides the point because it's such a ruthless business, stand-up comedy. Uh, it rewards selfishness. It rewards arrogance. It rewards... Um, conformity, and he was so warm and so generous uh, and so kind to everybody. Um, listen, there was no reason, <laughs> there's no reason for him to have cared about my comedy career because I was a never was an open micer, got paid to do it twice ever in my whole life, not somebody that ever made a career out of it. Um, and in secret, in quiet, um, Nick would message me like, every month for about two years trying to get me to come back out trying to get me to come (laughs) to shows to say hey man just come out and go to an open mic and be around like just come be a part of it like you're good at this uh you have you know i i see a million terrible comics every day and you're able you could do this you can like i want you to be part of this scene it's just the kind of guy he was he's the last person to have ever booked me for a show i hadn't done a set in 14 months and Nick booked me on a show at the SoCap in May of 2016. I have the <clears throat> poster on my Instagram. Uh, I'm tagged in it from years and years and years ago. Uh, I went on. I followed Chris Locke, who was, <laughs> who was <laughs> Chris Locke was warming up for JFL. <laughs> <laughs> so he did he did a he did a festival quality five minutes before my first set in 14 months, and I. Uh, was absolutely terrible, but um, just sort of again, just sort of the kind of guy that Nick was. That he would, that he would think to ask me to be on that show is like, it's crazy. I I I, I didn't really think much of it then, and I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Of just like how incredibly generous that is of him. I've seen so many great tributes. I've been reading people's tributes. Again, because comics that know him better than I do, comics that have spent more time with him in the last eight years since I've been on stage, um, that are pouring their hearts out, and everybody telling sort of the similar stories is just like, he loved being around comedy. He loved being around good people. He loved uh, the fun. He loved the creativity. He was um, such a genuine person, and it's such a huge loss, and I feel gutted for his family and his friends. Um it's terrible. It's it's really terrible. But it sort of has, I'm really mentally in a way that I hadn't in a long time, like thinking back to that time in my life. And like, it's wild. And as much as I have, we talked about this before, as much as I have made peace with like being totally okay with not being a stand-up comic, it is sort of funny to think that like, I had this whole other little thing that I was doing for a while that... Uh, like it doesn't make it so it's so disconnected from who I am now and it seems so far away but it also seems so recent again those little three-year packets like it feels like it feels like I could I could go to a mic 
you know, tomorrow and people would be like, oh, hey, you're back. But like nobody would know who I was because that whole scene recycles every, you know, 90 days, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody that is any good now would have any idea who I was. And people that I knew are now 14 year veterans that are, you know, <laughs> at festivals and are major. And it's like, I'm not, it's not a regret. And it's not like a I wish I could sneak out of my beautiful house with my wife and my son and go fucking gig in an open mic. But like, I don't know. I, I think you don't realize. Sometimes you don't realize um, the fun you're having while you're having it when you're in those situations, right? Is you look back yeah, at it. Absolutely. You look back at it and you go, man, I can't believe I'm in this fucking attic of a coffee shop at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> eating shit for no audience members. And then you look back at it with a little time and you're like, man, that was so much fucking fun to eat shit in that fucking <laughs> attic. <laughs> like... <laughs> To then go downstairs and have other comics be like, can you believe we are here eating shit at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday? <laughs> and then, like, going for – like, it's 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 funny how life does that to you is is you, you don't realize when you're in it that you are doing something special um, as, as in, you know, significant as it seems. Um, I wish – I wish maybe – not that I had stuck with it. That's not the feeling, but I wish that I had maybe appreciated – what I was doing a little bit more and worked harder as well. I look back and I'm like, man, I should have just worked harder. Like I, that's a common thing for me. I talked about it with sports media. I talked about it with anything I've done. Um, I had a natural ability to be likable and to be nice and to be comfortable on stage. I just like never worked hard at writing ever. And it's like, <laughs> of course I didn't get better. I, I, I didn't work on my material. I didn't work at it. I just sort of like, would go and, and have fun and screw around. And listen, I, I wasn't trying that hard. I didn't have that much success. And we talked about this with our peers in our other um, walks of life. It's like when you're in your 20s, sometimes the people that get the advantages and get the things, it seems unfair. It seems like, oh, man, that's, that's unfair. I, I'm better at this. I'm better at that. And then you get to your 30s and it's like, oh, no, it's the, the people who are working harder and are talented and are putting the time in are being rewarded. And that's sort of where it is now. I just wish that I had... I wish that I had taken it seriously. I didn't take it seriously, and I it would have been nice to take it seriously. I, maybe I could, maybe I could have a piece of it now that was still with me, versus like it, it being an absolute non-starter for me to even think about. You know? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to tell me twice about that stuff. I totally get that, uh, and obviously condolences to. I I obviously never knew Nick, uh, never met him, but enjoyed his comedy certainly. Um, but uh, obviously, condolences to all those, anyone listening to this who is sort of, who's feeling that loss and that grief today. But uh, I, I I completely get what you're saying. I think it's so easy to fall into coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And a thing I notice is, I think with this a lot, actually, the, the idea of now being, kind of like what you were saying with, with your with your family, like, the idea of this is going to sound really, really somber and dark, but <laughs> the idea of being old enough to be able to look back on things and have regrets, it's kind of, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm smoking a bunch of weed, but it's weird to me that like, you know, it's something that you Sorry. learn as you go because, you know, like we were saying, one day you're 20 and doing stupid shit and doing whatever and then you know next minute you blink and you're 
mid-30s and now you're looking back. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you can prepare for and it's not something you can be taught uh, and it's not something that anyone can really give you advice on because one day you're not in it and then one day you are. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about you know what I would have done differently as a young person and a lot of it I find is just like like you said it's not regret necessarily but maybe some of it is but it's more just like being older and being able to look back and maybe have regrets I don't know but yeah I just wish I had enjoyed the work. You know what I mean. And I think in, that's in it. I think I think the key that I, I mean I don't. Maybe everybody feels like this. I don't know. But I know for me, my big thing is professional choices aside. I just wish when I was younger, I had been able to get out of my head and have more fun. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. And I'm sure everyone feels that way to a certain extent. And yeah. just being at the age where now you can look back and be like damn i i could have i was having so much fun i was i was thinking about this the other day when i was in school i was living on my own and i was you know out till four in the morning with friends all the time and i was miserable and you look back you're like what are you miserable about you stupid idiot yeah like i i i just think it's you know it it's not as simple as it's just getting older and wiser but it is sort of sort of what it is. Good Lord, would he ever roll his eyes and make fun of me for <laughs> talking for talking to him about it this on a fucking podcast? Uh, <laughs> he would think that's the stupidest thing in the world. Uh, okay, that's it. That's that's. I think that's plenty dark uh, for the middle part. <laughs> people, what people want from the middle part is for us to mourn versions of ourselves that will never be, and that is what we've done once. Well, again. I got good news for you, people. Stay tuned. This is the show for you. Uh, lots to come in the mailbag, so let's get right to it. Jake, uh, lots of mailbag uh, on the way, so we will start. You want to start with serious or not serious? What mood are you in? Let's uh, let's let's start serious, and then we'll go towards not as we as we go. I feel like we got we got plenty heavy in the middle, so let's keep it going. Uh, our old pal JG with a DM asks us a few episodes ago. Zoobs and Jake talked about maybe more Zoobs. <laughs> The back and forth of having motivation for something only to lose it and then quit. Uh, perfect timing for this one. I struggle with that exact issue, wondering if there were any tips or maybe what you got to find that worked for you. Listen, nothing has worked for me. I don't have, I, <laughs> unfortunately I have quit and given up and, and it has been a reason that I have not been further ahead in my career professionally, my career in comedy, my career in media. Uh, that has held me back. It is a fact. And it, I would be better in in all of those uh different places uh were i had i just stuck with it had i I, we're just talking about if i had just learned to enjoy that if i had learned to enjoy the indecision if i had learned to enjoy the struggle if i had learned to embrace 
um, that that's part of it, that, that not knowing and going through anyway is part of the creative process, I would be better off for it. So um, I wish I could give you a thing that I did that worked for you. Um, what I would say is, is with a little bit of hindsight that we're talking about right now is sort of maybe try to change your mindset towards it. Try to try to look at it and say, um, you know, is, is the problem that I'm that I'm chasing my dream and, and not it doesn't feel right. Um, an old piece of advice I got from a teacher of mine was trying to do it for an hour a day. And if, you know, if, if it's your dream, if it's, if it's what you really want to do, and if it's what you think um, means something to you, an hour a day, you can you can find an hour a day. And if you can find an hour a day, you'll be surprised at how often that will snowball into a full day. And those full days and those hours are what add up. So I wish I could give you tangible advice, but uh, that failure to, to find that balance for the last 15 years uh, has been a negative trait of mine that I have been unable to shake. Yeah. Um, also, it's not too late, no matter, no matter where you are and what you're doing. I mean, that's the big thing. I, you know, I can only, I, it's hard to give advice for this, uh, just in the sense of like all the times I quit, things that I liked at the time it seemed like the right move yeah we're here to commiserate not to help <laughs> and it was and it was only with hindsight that I was like well, I was fucking stupid yeah um and you know I I it's one of the reasons why I haven't quit again I think is fear mostly of getting another because like I'm what I'm turning 34 in a month and a half so I'm getting pretty close to 10 years on I'm more than 10 years from quitting the first time. Wow. I'm getting close to 10 years to coming back, which is crazy. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm more than 10 years on from quitting. So one of the things that keeps me from quitting now is the fear that 10 years from now, I'll be like, fuck, not <laughs> stupid. Um, yeah, but I'm, 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 it's funny. I'm 10 years. I'm basically coming up on 10 years from quitting stand-up and five years from quitting sports media. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I, cause I quit acting basically when I started working at the score which was in 2012 and oh, then crazy. went back to acting when I quit the score uh, but uh, you know just enough time to completely damage my career for the rest of my life but uh, that's neither here nor there um, but no I think it's hard to it's hard to know because at the time I was like I'm an unpaid intern of course I should quit the thing I've been establishing myself in for 17 years and it seemed like the right call. Um, so, you know, I guess hindsight is the biggest. Having a therapist or a support system that you can that you trust to bounce things off, I think, is huge. I know I didn't have that when I quit the first time. Mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, I was twenty two. I'm an idiot. I was an idiot. Yeah, I was the dumbest motherfucker at twenty two years old, and didn't have. Uh, or didn't have the emotional capability to trust people around me enough to have a support system to bounce these ideas off of other than like my parents and then even then not really because I was 22 and like, I wasn't going to listen to them anyway um, so yeah, talking to people about stuff is good because friends and loved ones will and even not loved ones, just people who you trust professionally will give you advice unprompted because yeah. that's what having loved ones and trusted peers is. Um, 
And I think also your point that it's never too late is always true. And it's so hard to see. I, I lose sight of it multiple times a week. But it's a dumb cliche, but I admire and look up to actors who get their big break when they're like 50 all the time. And I think about it a lot. And just like, A, how that must feel, but also just like how much of an inspiration it can be. And I think a lot, I was thinking about this today actually. I think a lot about when I, yeah, when I was 17, 18, 19-ish, uh, I'd always earmarked 33 as an age. For, I don't know why, but 33 was always earmarked as the age as like, that's adult, and that's going to figure it out, and that's, that's when you're an adult. I don't know why 33, but that's what it was. And I used to say to myself a couple things. I would say to myself, if I'm still the Degrassi guy at 33, I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> uh, and I would also, I also did an acting class when I was 18, and it was with ad- adults, uh, much, much older than me. It was a very good class and a very good teacher, and I was not at the level or prepared to be in it, really. Uh, I just happened to be on TV, so I got in. But I remember watching these adults who probably were like my age, but seemed like they were 50, because that's how it works when you're 18. Of course. Uh, and they were amazing, like amazing actors, some of the best actors I've ever seen, and none of them had made it. They were all still in this acting class. And, I rem- and it was one of the things that sort of, it was like the first nail, and I was already like bitter about acting from my experience with Degrassi and everything. Uh, and also I was 18, so I was just a moody prick regardless. Um, but I remember thinking, like, man, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be struggling to make it when I'm 40. And now I don't think it's that bad. Right. Like now Struggling I, to make it is it, right? That's Right, exactly. That's the job. Yeah. And, like, obviously you can't see that when you're 18 and you've been working steady since you were five. Yeah. Like, I understand why I was ignorant to that then. For sure. But, like, it, that, you, that's it. That's it. And like it's as much as it's uh, and as much as we're told all the time when you're younger that like, you know, go to school, get a job, start a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's all bullshit now. Yeah. Like it's things happen when they do and no one fucking knows what they're doing Um. or hasn't figured out. Like the lucky few of us who knew what they wanted to be when they were children, like power to you. But, and a lot of time you get to this age and you, and you don't want to be that anymore. So Right. My dad switched careers when he was 65 years old. Incredible. Like, it's truly never too late to spin it on its head and do something else. Um, a couple of things, Jake, that's so funny, the story you just told about the acting class being a um, one of the straws in the camel's back. I remember very distinctly being at a dog shit open mic and a comic... Uh, Dave Merhage, actually, who is, um, he had just done, he was literally the two, two days earlier, he was, a, he did, did, had a Just for Last gala. And, uh, he came in and was like, at this dog should open mic. And I, and to, in my head at the time, I was like, well, why the fuck would I want to be a comic? Like, 
you know he <laughs> yeah. he just did it he if i had done what he had done i made it i'm i why would i you know if 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 the result of getting my goal just means i'm just in this room then what am i even doing and now i look back at it and i realize that like wanting to come back and be in the open mic room is what makes you a comic right yes yes the, absolutely the i the i don't have the, the the thought that you could do anything else but go to the open mic right is it, sort of is how i knew it wasn't for me um, yeah and i and i think a big part of it is knowing when those thoughts are for real and knowing when they're the grind Yes. Uh, and a second small thing that I will try to add on this, this is a long answer, is um, something that I figured out too late after I had already quit um, the sports media job back in 26, 2017, um, was I realized after I had done it that sometimes I was sad at work, not sad about work. And I didn't, mm. I didn't realize. That's a, Yes. Yes. It wasn't. It wasn't that I was like, oh, I hate this job. I was just like, oh man, I'm just, I'm just sad today. And I happened to be at work when I had that realization. Versus like, then I got a job that I hated, and I was like, oh, this is way different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't do this job while I'm sad. Well, I could do the other job while I was sad because I liked the job, but it was too late. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I think that's sort of the, I guess, back to the actual answer to the question. Some advice is like. I think a big part of this is, you know, emotional maturity and stability and getting your head right before attempting to get the rest of it right. Because you can't do one without the other. And it goes both ways. Like, it's not like you can have your head all messed up and fix this and then everything's great. Like, one begets the other. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I think that's a very, very, very good point. Um, the good doctor chimes in. Uh, I'm gonna make this quick because I already talked a little bit about it. It's a good day when I show you. Do you have a favorite Nick Nemirov joke and or memory to share? Uh, I'll do both of these quickly. My favorite Nick Nemirov joke. I remember that the first time I heard him say it, uh, he used to open with this. Um, I'm not gonna try to do his cadence, but the joke was um, sort of an idea. He loved. He was at his best when he was riffing on um, like hack comic premises. He had a joke where he would say. Um, it's important to talk about what you look like on stage. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. I look like the exact combination of Howard and Joanne Nemiroff. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite memory is Nick and I, <laughs> Nick and I went to a party, an absolute dog shit party after a mic once, just like, sh- just like shit. I can't believe we're here. We, you know, Jake, sometimes, um, only three different kinds of people ever get into comedy. There are theater kids, there are absolute <laughs> fucking psychopaths, and then there are class clowns. <laughs> we went to a party with uh, theater kids. Ugh. And it was just like, it was yes, exactly right. Exactly, the party was exactly like you were picturing. <laughs> Nick and I left that party, and we were walking to the streetcar afterwards. Uh, it was in the East End. And we got about five minutes out of the side of the party and he looked at me totally deadpan and he goes isn't it crazy that we're the only people at that party that weren't huge fucking losers (laughs) (laughs) 
It's exactly what I was thinking. That's the best, the best part about it. It was exactly what I was thinking. Good lord, I laughed so hard. What a fucking what a gem. Um, what a gem. Um, James Nielsen, I like this one. Just got a barbecue. Any barbecue tips and tricks you'd like to share? Oh, I, I haven't had a barbecue for years, so I don't actually. I've had a barbecue since like 2016 because I lived in a condo for the last five years. Right. Um, James, I have a barbecue, and I will say this: uh, treat your grates well. I, I, I get you, after you finish your cook, uh, you you get your scrape down with. Um, you could use a wire brush, but I don't like the bristles maybe breaking off. So you have either the wood plank with the grooves, or the coil brush, uh, and then so your heat is off, your fire is off, but the grill is still warm. And then just a warm soap and water with a cloth, and just give it a, just give it a quick a quick scrub down to the water will evaporate immediately just to get all that gunk off it'll help you prevent um flare-ups and like flames bursting up with the fat that's caked on there and just make it a little more even a little more even burn uh as well get to know where your hot spots are you're going to have spots in that grill that are hotter than other spots um on the flame just get to know where those are so you can adjust your timing accordingly and then uh spend time with it just spend time with it buy a cover buy a cover buy a cover is a good tip yeah uh, oh, I need a little extra coffee can or something to catch the fat drippings. Mine has mine has a little tray in the bottom that catches the fat, but stuff always fat and grease will always leak out. You don't want it on your deck. You don't want your dog licking it. Get a little mm. coffee can or something to collect that as well. Great dad tips. Um, final question comes from Sean, who DM'd me this. Sean Woodley asks us, inspired by Nazem Kadri winning the cup elsewhere. Jake, they handed up the Stanley Cup on Sunday. I that? saw that. I only know that because of Nazem Kadri. We love Nazem Kadri. Um, inspired by Nazem Kadri winning the cup elsewhere, is a former Blue Jay success on another team made you particularly happy? I mean, Doc, of course. Doc yeah, it's Halliday. Doc immediately the, making the playoffs and throwing a no hitter was—I don't think that'll ever be topped. Because there really is nobody else. Yeah, because I everyone else who left like fuck them. David I really Price don't know. Red Sox brought me no joy. Yeah, is there anybody else that like like you know what I mean? Like Vernon went to the Yankees and the Angels yeah. and didn't have any Rios, success. Rios went to the Royals. Like, like Brandon Morrow going to the Cubs really didn't move me at all. No, like it was nice to see him do well. Are we missing an obvious one? It's definitely Doc. It's definitely Doc. It has to be Doc because not only did Doc, like obviously we all love Doc and everyone wanted success for him, and he left on decent terms. But he also then went and did something amazing in the first game. And we knew he would. Yeah. And not really to a rival. Like, obviously, they beat the Phillies in the World Series, but, like, he didn't go to the American League like a bunch of the other guys did. And it was, like, you know, everyone understood why uh, <clears throat> why Doc was leaving. Like, that wasn't a surprise. Um, also, uh... I was happy to see Rowdy have a good start to the year. Yeah. I don't want the Brewers to win the World Series or anything. but I like the Brewers, but I don't want them to Yeah. It was annoying against us. Yeah. There we go. Uh, that's it for the mailbag. We have uh, one last thing to do. It's the reverse mailbag at the end of this motherfucker. A hefty show once again after this.
Jake, it's time to close things out. Reverse mailbag this week. I believe it was my pick last week. And I asked, um, uh, similar to your question about favorite band and formative band, I asked that about TV shows. What was your what was your childhood TV show, and then what was your adulthood TV show that right. became your personality? Uh, Edwin Clark emails us in at less than jays uh, at gmail.com. Thrilled to hear you guys back on the air. Been a fan of both for years. Going back to DJF and Backhand Shelf. Jake, can you believe how many people have mentioned Backhand Shelf in our email? That, I can't believe anybody liked my part on Backhand Shelf, if I'm being honest. The fact that somebody paid me to talk about hockey is uh, stupid. A nice note about my fatherhood uh, things here. The PTSD sprinkled in. Uh <laughs> Um, sounds like I'm doing a pretty good job. I, I want to say, we actually a couple weeks ago, on, you were talking about my Instagram posts and uh, my conversations here. Um, I feel like I'm not giving the picture as to how fucking, like, brain-meltingly hard it is sometimes. I think I, there's sort of, like, there's, like, a levity to it. There's some insanely dark moments basically every single day um, where you're just like, well, I guess we're <laughs> ruined. I guess we've ruined the kid forever. Um the question this week, the first mailbag, it is The Simpsons far and away for me as a kid. In grade six, my friends actually challenged me to get through a day without making a Simpsons reference. I quickly realized that is impossible and leaned into it. It is almost my entire personality. In university, it became Conan for my friends and my family with a little bit of Chappelle show as well. I think that's, uh, there's some great comic, there's some con ones. Man, Conan O'Brien, late night, that was a fucking formative one. Um, and he was married, he married, you know, maybe, maybe you know these kids, um, they, they decided they my kids are old enough. They're gonna let their kids watch it, which is wow. a sprinkling of admittedly age inappropriate stuff. I don't know if kids today would even like Simpsons. I'm not even sure. I don't think so. I, I uh, really don't. I've it just humor is different. I've been rewatching Old Simpsons falling asleep lately, and like I still love it a lot, obviously. But yeah. I don't. I don't know if kids would like it now. Well, it's been bad for so much. For, for but like, so long. What, like old ones. I mean, like when. Yeah. Good. Why would you? Why would you even understand what they were talking about? Right. Um, Christine you're Baldwin. Gonna watch a the, jo- episode where the whole joke is about Sonic Youth. Like. <laughs> Christine Baldwin in the Patreon inbox. As a favorite, as a kid, my favorite shows were She-Ra and My Little Pony. I've been a horse girl for as long as I can remember. I still I work, I work with horses now. Look at that. And She-Ra was a kick-ass powerhouse role model who rode a flying horse. And My Little Ponies were magic horses that were easy to collect. What more could you possibly ask for? I have to agree, Christine. And then the oh, her adulthood one, the OC came out right before my second year at university. Ooh. And it was appointment viewing where all of our friends would gather in our house and watch it. We would sit in the dark and not be allowed to speak until commercial break so we didn't miss any dialogue. <laughs> I maintain the show holds up pretty well. The soundtrack is unreal. My favorite Columbia House Party arc was the OC one. Such a fun show. Thanks for putting it on. I look forward to it every week. Christine Baldwin, thank you so much. Love to hear from the female fan base of this show as well. Uh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my uh, my show as a kid, uh, personality-wise, was Animaniacs. Oh. Uh, loud, wise-ass, making references he didn't understand. What could be more young Jake or current Jake? Uh, and then as I got older, my show that was my identity was uh, Party Down. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen Party Down, uh, Adam Scott plays a lead character who is a uh, formerly successful actor who is haunted by the one thing he did and now works a catering gig uh, as after quitting acting. 
uh, I'll let you fill in the blanks as to why I related to that. <laughs> uh, minor, I don't think minor fucking too difficult to figure out. Um, hard on the sleeve here with. I uh, listen. I look back. I'm like, man, I loved the NBC Thursday night lineup. I loved. <laughs> Friends Seinfeld and Frasier, I would eat that <laughs> shit alive. Um, but obviously, I was a huge Simpsons kid. Um, I would watch Simpsons three times a day. You'd get the 5 p.m. on CBC. You would get the Omni One, and then you'd get the Fox 29 as well. Um, but my like childhood, childhood before that, like the backpack, um, you know, toys was I was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was like my whole life. Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters as a very young kid were my was my whole life, and then. It, teenager was like the simpsons and then as an adult um now it's like fraser i love I, I still i still watch fraser all the time so um i think those are my picks for that one good good unsurprising picks is what i would say yes uh so jake that's it for the reverse mailbag what is your suggestion for this week's reverse mailbag i feel like you're gonna go heavy i'm actually you know i'm thinking about it i'm gonna try and split the difference yeah, I, 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 I'm going to try. I'm not going to go as heavy as the last time I uh, I, I, I prompted this. But I'm going to try and go down the middle here. So you're going to have to stick with me on this one here. What is something that not seriously, like not this is a problem or this is an issue, but something completely mundane that just makes that like, gives you that like deep frustration anger doesn't affect your life doesn't cause you any real problems doesn't really even matter but when it happens you just like you grit clench your teeth and you just go that's what i want to know i like that i'll tell you this i spilled pine salt all over my kitchen the other day oh fucking there's, no, there's nothing you can do. No, you, you can't clean it up. It's it's pine salt. You, you just you're just getting on a rag. It's all I all I could do was mop my floor four times and then leave my house. That sucks. I hate that. My clothes still smell like it. Anyway, mundane thing that pisses you off for a couple seconds whenever it happens. I like that, Jake. Nice and simple. We'll hopefully, get some good answers. Send your answers in to at less than jays on Twitter, less than jays at gmail.com, or call us 833 714 7774, the phone line that nobody seems to care about. We'll close it down. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. I'll stop paying for it. I don't need, we don't need to have a fucking voicemail if you're not going to call us. Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, that, we didn't, just kidding. We appreciate uh, all of your time and your uh, wonderful contributions to the show. The emails, the calls, the DMs, they all mean a ton to us. And, uh, you know, we got to go deep uh, today. And I think um, that's what you people um, have come to expect from the <laughs> show. Also, I, I also really enjoy that uh, we kind of doom spoke about the Blue Jays for a while, then got dark and heavy while in the background the Blue Jays were in the middle of one of their best wins of the season. We just come back and win. Beat the Red Sox. Life is great. <laughs> ah! Now I dropped my phone. Perfect. Uh, okay. Disaster in the back half, but we got there. Um, <laughs> it's what you want. It's what you people want. It's what people want. They want the real shit. They want the, the meltdowns. That is it for another week. Uh, we will speak to you again next week. No two coffees this week because it's a long weekend. I'm not going to be here to do it. So uh, that is it. If you want more, patreon.com slash less than Jays. A brand new Jays of our lives going up there this week about... I want to say Russ Adams is this week's Less Than Jays. I believe you're right. 
Anyway, that is it. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for being a part of Less Than Jays.